Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Free of Charge. We're a podcast by Canada's premier nuclear science and technology organization, Canadian Nuclear Laboratories, or CNL for short. And we're recording from our Chalk River site, which sits on the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe people. Today, we're going to be talking to three students who just finished out with their co-ops at Chalk River Labs. They're going to tell us what it's like to be students in a field that's gaining so much momentum. Some are even calling it a renaissance. They're going to share how they've gotten to this point and what's driving them down their own individual paths. Let's start with some introductions. Alexi, can you start us off? Hi, um, I'm Alexi Buenaventura, and I am a final year of my undergrad in material science engineering at McMaster University. I'm currently completing my eight-month co-op at CNL uh, in the Advanced Fuel and Reactor Physics branch, uh, which works more on the additive manufacturing of nuclear fuel. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Now, let's go over to Beth. Hi, I'm Bethany Johnson. Most people just call me Beth. I'm in my final year of mechanical engineering at the University of Waterloo, and I'm completing my second term here at Canadian Nuclear Labs. Um, I'm working currently for the Mechanical Equipment Development Branch. Um, they focus on designing, fabricating, and testing custom tooling for the nuclear industry. Wonderful. Nice, nice to have you here. And last but not least, Louisa. Hi, thank you. I'm Luisa Vosenko-Mischenko, and I'm in my final year of engineering physics uh, at McMaster University, and I'm specializing in nuclear engineering. I'm also wrapping up my eight-month co-op at CNL, but I'm in the Applied Physics branch, which is part of the Safety and Security Directorate and focuses on cybersecurity and nuclear safeguards. Great. Thanks, everyone. So let's get into it. Can you tell us your story about how you wound up in nuclear? Let's start with Alexi. Yeah, for sure. Um, I previously did a 16-month co-op at a company called Kinetrix, and I got the opportunity to work for uh, Bruce Power, OPG, and actually CNL at the time. Um, uh, upon discussing more with some colleagues, you know, as a material scientist, I learned that there wasn't really a lot of a database for irradiated or nuclear materials. So that kind of got my interest going. Uh, also, given the fact that not like materials at McMaster specifically focuses a lot on metallurgy. Coming to do my co-ops at Kinetrix and here at CNL um, or in nuclear in general, it's just not a stream that's really avid for us. Most of it's manufacturing smart materials. Um, so I find it really, really interesting in terms of what we can translate from, you know, what we know in regular space to nuclear since it is a growing field. So because you're at McMaster, did you know you wanted to do nuclear materials or did you kind of find nuclear through your co-op program? Actually, not at all. Like when I was doing school, it was again, nu like we, mo we mostly focused on manufacturing, right? Um, and this would be traditional stuff like for, for steels, metals. Uh, so I would say mostly it's been through my co-op program. It's where I've gained most interest, a lot of hands-on uh, experience, which I think that I'm, you know, better at. And I think that, that kind of gauged my interest towards it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, what about you, Beth? Yeah, so I do six co-ops through my program. So I've been doing a lot of different co-ops. And when I started school, I decided that I just wanted to try anything that seemed really interesting and anything that kind of was like a weird experience or really unique, um, which kind of landed me in nuclear because I was like, 
what's cooler and what's more unique than something like nuclear? Nothing. Nothing, exactly. Um, so that's kind of what sparked my interest into nuclear. And also, um, born and raised in Canada, love Canada, and Canada has a really growing nuclear field, which made me interested in the nuclear industry as well, just because I would like to stay in Canada when I'm older and work in Canada. So it'd be nice to get into a field that I know is growing and also has lots of job opportunity. So did you know about nuclear when you started your degree? Yes and no. I had heard of the term, but it wasn't something that was very well discussed in my program. Like Alexi was kind of saying, my program more focuses on things like mechanical design and robotics and different controlling systems like that. So it was less something that I had heard of in school and more just kind of like a fad word I had heard kind of just around people talking about it. But I actually really didn't know a lot about it when I applied here. Um, but now I do like mechanical design work at a nuclear company. So I guess there's like opportunities for anybody to get involved into nuclear. And Louisa, what about you? So um, as an engineering physics student, there's a lot of different streams that we can go into, but the core um, concepts that we learn is the fundamentals of every discipline, every engineering discipline, which makes it great and very applicable to really any industry. So I always kept my mind open to different areas, but I realized that I had a tendency to get into um, the more nano or micro scale of things instead of the macro. And additionally, many of my professors have been doing really exciting research in the nuclear field and taking courses on nuclear engineering have just kind of propelled me towards that direction. Um, so yeah, I just love being able to do things on the small scale and see how that translates to the grand scheme of our industry. And might I say maybe the atomic scale? Exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so now you're all here and you've all had, you know, quite a long time at CNL now. Um, and the three of you are heading towards the end of your co-ops at Chalk River Laboratories. Could you share maybe a bit of the work you've been part of during your time here? And, and I'm going to actually start with you, Louisa. Yes. So I've actually worked on the development of a liquid argon radiation detector, which is going to be used for screening cargo containers at the Canadian borders. So it's still in development, but most of my work um, has gone towards characterizing the photomultiplier tubes, which are just light detectors, because as liquid argon interacts with radiation, it emits light. So essentially, based on the shape of this received signal, we're able to distinguish between neutrons and gammas with high energy resolution, which is great because it's the first detector of its kind. And it's just been super exciting for me to take part and um, determine the response of one of the most important components of the detector. So is this considered nuclear forensics? No, this is more nuclear safeguards. Essentially, we're trying to build a detector that will be able to diminish the number of false alarms at the Canadian borders, therefore optimizing um, how we control the movement of special nuclear material. That's really cool. Yes. Awesome. What about you, Alexi? So, I have been working on additive manufacturing of nuclear fuel, and what that essentially means is um, we use a technology called fused deposition modeling. It's a type of 3D printing. So if you imagine the 3D printers that are used in schools to teach you know, first-year engineering students or uh, even elementary school or high school students, um, we're trying to make a custom feedstock to print certain geometries to basically make higher-performing, safer fuel pellets. Um, and this is particularly interesting because CNL is a pioneer um, of this 
researched particularly through literature. So not a lot of people have done it through the way that we're doing it right now. So feedstock is the stuff that gets printed? Yes, that's correct. So we're developing the feedstock? Yes. So right now, a lot of our main parameters lie on um, creating a uranium dioxide feedstock that is spherical um, in a certain size. Uh, and that's really, really hard to do because um, the density of uranium versus our surrogate material, which was zirconia dioxide, is almost double. Um, or half of what it was when we were using our surrogate. Um, so we're facing a lot of trials, but it's really interesting to see uh, because we successfully ended up doing it. Um, and we're on our way to kind of working with fuel designers within, I would want to say, the next fiscal year to try to get some designs popped out. That's amazing. Yep. Such cool work. And what about you, Beth? Yeah, so at uh, Mechanical Equipment, or MED, we work on a lot of custom tooling. So we're doing stuff that nobody else is doing. So my main three projects, and I love all of them equally, um, I'm working on a manipulator that is modular and will fit through a six-inch hole and can lift 25 pounds. I am working on um, like a design process parameter for actinium-225, which is the newest target alpha therapy that they're working on. So we work on testing that in our labs. So I'm working on the lab side of that. And then I'm also working on all the calculations and making sure that the design of a laser leveling system for basically taking the height moderation in the Z2 reactor and looking at the moderator height of that and being able to measure that to up to 10 micrometers of accuracy. So I'm also working on the calculations and making sure that that design is safe and will not fail when it's in the reactor. So those are my three main projects, um, all very different, but all very fun, all very cool. Yeah, and Z2 is really important because that's actually how we monitor the criticality and measure the criticality is based on moderator height. Yeah, absolutely. So really important stuff and definitely across the whole scale. Yeah. Now, what exactly is a manipulator? Yeah, so manipulator is basically a fancy term for a robot. So we're working on a robot that'll fit through a six inch hole and can lift 25 pounds. Awesome, thank you. So all of you have done such incredible work here at CNL and also just in the nuclear industry so early in your careers as well. And even just amongst all three of you, there's been so much diversity. And so I think it's really interesting and it's quite representative of a really long list of the specialties that are really in the nuclear industry. But really with this nuclear renaissance and with all the areas of nuclear science, what excites you the most about being a nuclear? Let's start with you, Alexi. For my job, I handle fuel, and I don't think the ordinary co-op student can really just say that they handle fuel, right? I have been in the nitty-gritty of it where I've been handling fuel, I've been helping with the process. Um, so honestly, it opens up a lot of opportunities for doing this niche kind of work, right? Yeah, no, I think we're getting to work with something that's a controlled substance. You learn a lot about not even just handling fuel, but also all the regulations and that you can work in different industries that are heavily regula regulated. So I think like there's a lot of opportunities there. What about you, Beth? Yeah, so I didn't honestly know that mechanical designs or robotics or anything like that was really something that people were working on in the nuclear field. Like, I knew that people were doing lots of research and that there was a lot of things like power engineering in there, but I didn't realize that actually people were working on things like mechanical designs. So when I got on my team, it was really exciting because it kind of tied in like my interest in nuclear, but also like my love for mechanical designs and working on those. And it was just like a great kind of like meet in the middle moment for me. Um, it's also awesome knowing that like my work is reflecting into the nuclear industry. We're making it safer. We're improving process parameters and so much more. Um, it's just really exciting to know that you had a part of that and that you were able to contribute something that like is actually important and feel like your work is actually leading you somewhere. And what about you, Louisa? Yes, adding on what Beth said, I'm also really excited to 
have had the opportunity to participate in a project that is going to strengthen nuclear safety, security, and non-proliferation. Um, what I really enjoyed um, of being part of this was to get to daily interact with equipment that requires such a high understanding of the fundamentals of particle physics, electronics, and quantum mechanics. So it's great to see, even from a co-op experience, how many resources are being allocated to the safe applications of the nuclear field. I also did co-op and, you know, I think it, it opened a lot of doors for me, but it also let me see something outside the university. How would you say that co-op has changed your views or how does it compare to that university experience? And like, would that be something that you would encourage people to explore? Uh, let's start with you, Beth. Absolutely. I would highly recommend people do co-op programs. I think they're so important because I think that university and learning in a classroom shows you such a small part of what you're going to be working on in the field. And what you do in school can be very, very different than what you do in the industry and also can help you guide yourself on finding something that's right for you. There's lots of different things you can do with one degree and you're gonna like some of them and you're not gonna like others. And that's totally okay and that's totally fine. That's not something that you have to worry about that you have to like everything. You're not gonna like every class you take in university and you're not gonna like every job in the field. So taking a co-op program, highly recommend it for sure. What about you, Louisa? So for me, university has been all about learning in a more of a fast paced environment. And after years of that, you know, searching all that academic validation and all of that stressful <laughs> nights, um, I would just say it's been really nice to take part in research where learning just comes from reading, taking time to reflect, be curious, ask yourself questions of what you're doing, why are you doing this, what does that mean on a fundamental level. And this experience has definitely given me a new outlook on what works for me when it comes to learning about physics, which I'm especially thankful for. What about you? For me, um, it's kind of similar to what Louisa and Beth said. Um, I was never really a traditional classroom learner. When I hit university, things were all over the place for me. Um, and especially uh, coming into just a co-op co experience in general, um, that hands-on work, like, I don't think I was genuinely built for a sit-down position. Uh, I was built to be in a lab. Uh, that's where I get most of my learning done, is where I can actually physically see and touch um, and learn how the things kind of work with one another. Um, and I definitely encourage people to, you know, do co-op as a part of their experience because Co-op teaches you how to grow. Um, it gives you realistic expectations as to what the industry expects from you, right? Um, school, I find, doesn't do that as accurately. Um, but they're both important hand-in-hand hand for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I can relate to a lot of what you guys said because um, it is a completely, it's a completely different experience and, and getting to explore different areas and avenues, but then also seeing what works for you and what doesn't. Um, Graduate studies is a lot like what you described too, um, in terms of just being able to like sit with your thoughts. And that's so much of the learning where in undergrad, it's so much of like, here's the information you need to know and here's the output. So exactly. Yeah. There's kind of not that much time in yeah. a way yes. um, to get through everything. So you either you have to pick and choose what you want to learn. It, it's, it's just kind of you have to optimize your learning yeah. as much as you can. While here you can just, 
you have the support of the supervisors that if you're trying to get through a concept, you can Google it, do your research, but at the end of the day, you can also have a conversation about it with highly trained people. I think I think that's one of the coolest parts about CNL is also, and I think just in the nuclear industry period, because the entire nuclear industry is full of these experts. And so as a student, being able to work with somebody who can tell you like anything about fracture mechanics or anything about 3D printed fuel, and, and it's a learning experience, not only for them, but also for you and, and both like both ways you can learn from each other. So, you know, talking about that learning and talking about the growth that you all have seen over your university experiences, what challenges do you feel like you've faced pursuing an education in nuclear or in engineering or in kind of male-dominated fields, to be honest? Um, And how have you worked to overcome those? I think realizing where I am in my career, I'm at the beginning and I'm not supposed to know everything. I'm not supposed to do everything right at the first time and kind of relying on the support of uh, supervisors, friends and family to just realize that it's okay and um, letting, go, letting go of those moments and those small um, challenges essentially and look, look forward with what you already have learned. Um, yeah, and just not try to compare yourself to others I found myself in positions where I was comparing um, my knowledge to other people when in reality we all have super different backgrounds and it just takes it just takes time. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that, you know, university does in some ways try to get you to that place of like you're always trying to be the best and you're always supposed to know everything. But in reality, there's you're you know this much at the beginning of your career, right? Like you know almost nothing. Um, and that's the whole point is that we all started there. Uh, what about you? I think it's kind of the same as Louisa uh, facing that imposter syndrome. Um, I was working on really hard stuff currently still am. Um, but it's actually really funny. I seem to have a streak um, when I'm talking to my supervisors and I actually learned that these are master's level projects or master's level knowledge and I'm not even done my undergraduate yet. Um, so I think just having that conversation really helped calm me down and you know, made me feel a lot better because at the end of the day, like again, like I said earlier, nuclear is not really a field or a specialty in material science at McMaster. So I have a lot of, I guess, knowledge gap between what I should, what I think I should know versus what the reality of it is, right? Um, the support of like a lot of my friends, my colleagues, um, you know, reassurance that I'm doing a good job, doing what I can. Uh, and, you know, I think working towards and practicing that kind of knowledge, I think is most important in how I've overcome that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, going along the same vein of imposter syndrome, um, I would say more than anything, one thing that imposter syndrome does is makes you feel incredibly isolated. You feel this sense that like you're the only one who feels this ever. You get very in this head of like, everybody else knows so much more than me and everybody else is so much more prepared than me and understands everything so much better than I do. It's all like about yourself, right? And this feeling of like self-doubt. But once you actually get exposure to other people, you realize that other people don't know it either or they don't know things that you know. And talking to like senior engineers and senior researchers and watching them say, I don't know, or can you explain that to me when they talk to other researchers or other engineers is a very like 
important moment for people to experience. And also just being able to say, I don't know. Most people will not freak out if you say, I don't know. They're not going to, you're not gonna get fired. You're not gonna like lose your job or something. Saying, I don't know, especially right off the beginning is so important because it sets you up for success, but also is like a great learning moment for both yourself and your supervisor of just like expectations, but also just like learning. Um, one thing that I had was when I was in first year, this is like a funny story of what you kind of mentioned was I was talking to a TA and I just said, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And I wake up every day and I just feel so stupid. I was like, I feel like nothing's working. And he turned and he said, when you were in high school, that was a race and you probably won that race. That's why you're here. He's like, now what you're experiencing is basically your academic Olympics. You're setting yourself up for this moment. And it's like everybody else that you're racing against also won their race. And he's like, the thing is about the Olympics though, is that just being in the Olympics is cool. If you met an Olympian and they said, I went and ran in the Olympics and I got sixth place. Sixth place, they don't even get a medal. But you're gonna look at that person, you're gonna go, oh my God, you were in the Olympics? That's so cool. So he's like, the important thing is not what you place. The important thing is that you keep running. And that was like a real big moment for me where I realized like, wow, other people are going through very similar experiences to me. And also like, it's about, myself and my journey and not comparing myself to others. It was a very freeing moment for sure. <laughs> I love that a metaphor. I'm definitely going to keep that one in the back yeah. pocket. <laughs> I think that it's so true. And I think all of us have experienced that at some point or another. And it's so important to realize that that's not, it doesn't mean that you aren't, it means that you're learning. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, we just talked a little bit about how we feel, how we were in, in the nuclear industry, what challenges we faced. But, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe thinking about pursuing an education in nuclear? I would say definitely take the co-op. Um, that's kind of been a, a hot topic of this, this podcast. But one thing that when I talk to uh, younger students in engineering at my school is, oh, like, I don't want to go on co-op or... Like, why should I go on a co-op that is longer than four months? And the reality of it is, especially in nuclear, you're learning hard, hard stuff. Um, but the longer that you stay, the longer that you put in effort, especially like all three of us where we're doing eight months or more than more than one term is um, we have so much to show from you know, just being here in our eight months. And for being a nuclear, that says a lot. Um, for being a female in nuclear, that also says a lot too. It's it's really difficult um, as a student, I think, to, to come in here, say you managed a project, say you did all this cool stuff, but you only ran out of time, right? So um, take the longer co-op, I think, is the short form of my message is it's worth it. Um, you won't regret any of it. And if it pushes back your degree, so what? Like, it's for nuclear, I think it's well worth it. Well, you know what? The pushing back the degree, it's four months now. It might seem like a ton when you're doing an undergrad, but you're going to work for 30 years. Four months means nothing. Yeah. Like, I, I almost equate, I think I actually have more co-op terms than my education. <laughs> By the time that I end um, my undergraduate, I will have like 32, 34, 36-odd months of co-op and and, and no regrets. And no regrets at all. I, I don't regret it. I'm going to be seventh year when I graduate, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's great. That's really great. Louisa? Yeah, I think there's just no better moment to get into the industry. So if you do have an opportunity to uh, 
actually go on a co-op in a nuclear um, environment, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very telling for you if you want to take part in it. And I'm gonna say that it's very likely that you do because it's really cool <laughs> and it's uh, so versatile, which just gives so much space for many disciplines to take part, which is kind of the point of what we're talking about today. Um, so yes, I think it would be, first of all, very valuable to take some courses if you are interested um, and then do a co-op, but just also keep in, keep in the back of your mind that this industry is growing so much right now. So there's no better moment to, um, to do a degree in nuclear engineering because there's going to be a lot of employment for you. And not just nuclear engineering, right? We all come from different backgrounds, but also trades and yeah. college programs. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's every job at nuclear. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's... It's the time. <laughs> the time is now. The time is now. <laughs> what about you, Beth? Honestly, to anyone who is starting off, like, a university degree or thinking about doing co-op, just like take the opportunities as they come, like seize opportunities as they come your way, like do things that scare you and excite you. Um, They usually lead to good things. And if they don't, they're definitely a good learning experience and they'll lead you somewhere else. Lots of things that I've done that maybe I didn't enjoy or things that weren't great at times have led me to great opportunities later or have set me up for success in some other way or even have just been something where I turn and say, this was a great learning experience because, and I can reflect on that and at least take something from it. Every opportunity you have when you're like 20 years old is like very defining in your life but also gives you a great opportunity to just learn. Because when you're in your 20s, you're not really supposed to know what you're doing. So when you're a young student, it's okay to be that person who doesn't know what they're doing and is kind of living on the fly and like taking life as it comes. And that'll be great to look back on and know that you took those opportunities when they presented themselves and didn't hold yourself back. So I would say, don't hold yourself back. Go for it. If you seize the opportunity, take it and run with it. Yeah, I'd also like to add... um, it's always great to just talk to people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So for us in university, if you read about what research is happening and something strikes your interest, go talk to that professor, get involved. So mm-hmm. yeah, talk to people in the industry. There's always career fairs. You can always see what um, companies are up to and maybe a, an opportunity can arise from that. So definitely don't be shy. Mm-hmm. Ask questions and be curious. Yes, exactly. So I guess, given the fact that all of you are at the end of your co-ops coming up, where are you headed? What's next for you? Let's start with you, Beth. Yeah, so I only have four months left of my degree. Woohoo! So <laughs> I'm going back to school after this month. So next month in the new year, I'll be back in school, um, completing my degree, getting my iron ring, convocating, all that fun stuff. Might travel, might not, but I'm actually returning to CNL full-time with my team. So they offered me a job during this co-op term, which was really exciting. It's nice to know that that's all handled and all ready to go for when I'm ready to come back. And also when I'm done my degree so that I can take these last four months, have some fun, finish up my degree and know what I'm doing next. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that and I'm really excited to be back. Uh, For me, I'm actually headed to California to do another co-op. But after that, I'll be uh, finishing up my final year in materials and like Beth, getting my iron ring and doing the whole shebang. Nice. 
Yes, same. I'm just uh, looking forward to graduate and then potentially pursue a master's degree. Wonderful. Those are great. Well, um, I want to say thank you for spending some time with me this morning and sharing your story and sharing your journey. I think right now is an amazing time to be a nuclear. I, I have to say being a nuclear myself, it is really exciting. It's exciting to see all the energy and I think it's the time to, to be joining the industry. So thank you again for, for joining me this morning and um, good luck. Good thank luck. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Free of Charge, Conversations in Canadian Nuclear Science. This podcast is produced by Canadian Nuclear Laboratories, Canada's premier nuclear science and technology organization. To learn more about us, visit us on social media or on our website at www.cnl.ca. Until next time. <laughs>